Kedor, and there may be listeners out there in WhatsApp land that are not approaching Kedor. We're at a funny time of year right now, and a funny time of year that doesn't happen every year, but it happens to be, for the next while, we are out of sync with Eretz Yisrael. We're one parsha behind. One parsha behind. That's right. It sounds wacky, and it is wacky. Um, ever since the last day of Pesach, we've been one parsha behind Eretz Yisrael. Why is that? Because we had the last day of Pesach on a Shabbos. Yomtev, whenever Yomtev falls on a Shabbos, you lay Yomtev laying. So we began Pesach on a Shabbos. We ended the Pesach on a Shabbos. So we're two Shabbos, and for us, that knocked out the, the regular week, uh, the regular year-round laying. Eretz Yisrael only has seven days of Pesach. Their last day of Pesach was on a Friday. Shabbos for them was Isruchag. So the, the Shabbos that for us was the final day, the eighth day of Pesach, for them was Parshas Achrimos. We didn't lay Achrimos to the following week. They, they laid Kedoshim. That was last week. We're laying Kedoshim this week. They're already up to Emor. And the system's not going to write itself until actually we get to uh, uh, Matos Masse, which we're going to combine that and they're going to have that split up. So if anyone's looking to avoid having a double header of Matos Masse this year, there's like, you know, 800 Psukim over there, you can fly to Ersusrol for those few weeks to hear Matos one Shabbos and Matos the other Shabbos. But yes, the next few, anyone that tra- travels back or forth to Eretz Yisrael is uh, going to be one parsha. I think either you're going to hear the same parsha twice or you're going you're to skip a week, depending on which direction you travel. But anyway, here in Somerton, Philadelphia, this Shabbos is Parshas Kedoshim. So we will be discussing Kedoshim. And uh, Emor is going to be next week. So again, with apologies to our WhatsApp audience in WhatsApp land in Eretz Yisrael, we will be doing Kedoshim. So, um, a big mazel tov also, and thank you to our sponsors for this week, to uh, the uh, Aminah family for sponsoring in honor of Matan Aminah's birthday. Matan, you sh- Natan, sorry, Natan Priel, Aminah, should be gesund and stark till 120. Should have many happy, healthy years of healthiness and happiness. And uh, thank you for being our sponsor for this week. And thank you, Rabbi Aronson, for preparing such delectable delights once again this week. Our, not only our venerable, reliable Shalant, which uh, without fail is always there every week to keep our stomachs entertained while hopefully we try to entertain ourselves with a little bit of chumash our minds. We have extra vittles and, 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 and delights this week in honor of Natan's birthday. Thank you, Rabbi Aronson. Thank you once again. Okay, let's get down to business. Okay, after all the introductions and uh, out of sync and in sync, let's, let's, uh, let's um, hunker down over here and set our sights on Parshas Kedoshim. So, we have towards the beginning of Kedoshim over here, a pasuk that says, "Ish imoy tiro A man shall his mother and his father fear. Aviv imoy tiro. A man shall his mother and his father fear, and keep my Shabbos. I am Hashem. So we have immediately a juxtaposition of Shabbos with keep it of aim. Rashi tells us, citing a famous Gemara Nivamis, that even though one has to honor and respect one's parents and listen to what your parents tell you, if they tell you to violate the Sabbath to transgress Shabbos about you don't listen to them. That's what we learned from this juxtaposition, okay? But there's something else that Rashi focuses on, and that is a discrepancy between the two places in the Torah where we have the two different mitzvahs of how to relate to one's parents. As everybody knows there's two different mitzvahs in relating to one's parents. There's kibud and there's moira. Kibud of aim and, and, and moira of aim, fearing one's parents and honoring one's parents. And this already popped up in the Aseris HaDibris. That's where we have kibud of aim. Kibud of aim is in the Aseris HaDibris. We have Kibbut Aveim over there. And there it says, Kabed Honor your father and your mother. That's the mitzvah of Kavid. And then we have Yira, and that's this week's parsha. 
in Kedoshim. We have to wait a while to get to Yerub, but that's the sixth parasha. A man shall his mother and his father fear. <clears throat> and Rashi notes the discrepancy. The discrepancy is the order that we're putting your parents in. In the Aseris HaDibras, we put the father first. Honor your father and your mother. In Kedoshim, we're talking about fear. We talk, put your mother first. You should fear your mother and your father. Sometimes we put the father first. Sometimes we put the mother first. Are we trying to be diplomatic over here? Are we trying to make everybody happy? Certainly not. There's got to be a correct order. You know, either the order is the father and the mother, then the mother and the father. We've got to be consistent. We're not trying to, like, make everybody feel good. Like, oh, you know, sometimes we'll talk, mention the mother before the father, sometimes the father before the mother. You know, it's like having, like, a Father's Day, a mother, Mother's Day, and then a Father's Day. Mother's Day is a Sunday, Mother's Day? This Sunday is Mother's Day. So uh, the Hallmark cards created the notion of Mother's Day, and then the fathers got upset. Oh, you have to have Father's Day too? Mother's Day and Father's Day. That's ridiculous, right? Why do you have to have a Father's Day? Fathers, fathers, they do what they want when they want anyway, right? They do their own thing. They don't need a Father's Day. Mothers, they need, they need a, you know, once a, once a year, you have to offer your mother breakfast in bed. You have to do the dishes for her. You have to clean the floor for her. You have to, uh, you know... You have to say, okay, mom, you go enjoy yourself and we're going to take care of that. That's what mom's need because if you don't, you, don't, you don't take care of your mother, she's not going to take care of yourself, herself, right? You need a Mother's Day. Father's Day, again, fathers, the husbands, they're taking care of themselves plenty. They're doing what they want when they want. They, they don't need fathers. Why is there a Father's Day on the calendar in America? You had to be diplomatic, to be politically correct. They have to compensate. Father's Day, Mother's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, everybody's happy. But that's not how the Torah works. Torah's not into diplomacy. Torah's not into politics. And certainly not into political correctness. It turns into truth, into emes. So how come sometimes we have the father before the mother, and sometimes we have the mother before the father? So Rashi cites a Gemara in Kedushin. Rashi says something fascinating. He says, Rashi, look, there's two different mitzvahs. There's honoring and fearing. And that actually establishes the order in which it's appropriate to have the mother before the father, the father before the mother. Because the Torah wants us to have two different relationships with our parents. One is a relationship of respecting, of honoring, and one is a relationship of fearing, being fearful of our parents. And you have to have honor and respect for both your father and mother, and you have to have fear of your father and your mother. The Torah knows and understands, though, that our natural tendency is to give one of them more naturally than the other, and it and, and, and it's, 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 um, works in terms of a mutual exclusivity over here. Meaning, the one I naturally give my father, I don't naturally give my mother. The one I naturally give my mother, I don't naturally give my father. The Gemara Kedushan says, when it comes to my father and my mother, who, do, who am I going to naturally honor more? Who am I naturally going to respect more? Your mother. Naturally, you're going to go run to respect your mother more, honor your mother more. What does it mean to honor respect? To make them a coffee, to uh, bring them a piece of cake. Indeed, to give them breakfast in bed. Take care of pamper. Covet is to pamper them, to honor them, to take care of them. Naturally, a child is running to do that more for his mother than his father. It feels more of a predilection over there. When it comes to fear, being fearful, Yira, who do you naturally fear more? Who are you naturally more afraid of? Your father, right? You're a lot more scared of your father than your mother. And that's how every child works. No matter how old you get, no matter how old your parents get, you're going to naturally respect and honor your mother before your father. You naturally have more fear for your father than your mother. Says Rashi, that's why by each one of the two mitzvahs, the Torah switches the order around. When it comes to Yira, the Torah says, 
Fear your mother and your father, emphasizing the mother, because she's the one that has to be emphasized. And when it comes to honor respect, we say, we emphasize the father, put the father first, because he's the one that needs to be addressed more. He's the one where you need to focus more, because you're naturally going to have more respect for your mother than your father. So Taurus flips it around, switches it around. Make sure you not only have respect for your, for your mother, but fear your mother, fear your father, I'm sorry, respect, honor, your father too. And make sure you're also afraid of your mother. Okay, that's very nice. Let's take that a step further. That, that's a you know, known idea. Why is it, indeed, that a person has more honor and will naturally be Mechabit's mother more than his father and naturally have more fear from his father and his mother? So the truth is the Gemara speaks us that. And Rashi quotes half of the Gemara. Rashi doesn't quote the whole Gemara. Rashi quotes half of the Gemara expecting us to look it up on our own. Let's start with the mother. Why does a person naturally honor his mo- mother more than his father? Why is he naturally machavit his mother more than his father? Why? Right, very good. E- excellent. Not just schmoozes, but compliments him. Mishad right? Your mother naturally not just schmoozes with you, but your mother is always complimenting you. Your mother is always saying what a, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a genius you are. How clever you are, how, how quick you are, how talented you are. That's, that's, that's what, how your mom talks to you, right? To get a compliment out of your dad, you know, that's like pulling teeth, right? You get your father to tell you how smart you are, you're probably going to tell you how dumb you are, right? You get your father to say, wow, you got a 97 on your test. Your father's going to say, why'd you miss three points? That's what your father's going to say, right? You're not going to get any compliments. Your father's there to build up character, act character, whip you into shape, right? That's right. Um... Your mother, your mother, a person's mother is Mishad Lassabidvarim. She's always complimenting him. She's always nurturing him. Natan, this, this, this is a special shear for your birthday. Okay, this is special for you. You guys are welcome to Shmuz, but maybe just do it somewhere else. Okay, but, but I welcome and encourage both of you to stay for the shear because it's a very nice chumash here tonight in honor of Natan. Um, so uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's a give. It's obvious. That's right. Rashi quotes this Gemara that... that, um, that uh, that again speaks at what, what is, is very intuitive. The, a person naturally is running to, to, to wait on his mother and, 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 and make his mother the coffee and, and bring her mother, his mother her car keys and her slippers or whatever because your mother's always complimenting you. Your mother's always um, impressed by you and is always, is always uh, making sure you have, you, 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 you have a very... Uh, Good self-esteem, etc. Your mother's mishad Your Mother's always speaking very nicely to you, smooth talking, sweet talking, and paying a lot of compliments to her son. Because every mother really does think that that all of her children are are the most talented kids in the entire world. Every every mother naturally thinks that. Baruch Hashem. That's uh, part of you know normal, healthy maternal instinct is for every mother really to see the best in her kids and tend to constantly be praising them, praising, complimenting, and so that you're naturally inclined to to honor your mother. To be mechavet your mother, not not as much your father. The person doesn't get the same the same flattery, praise, and compliments from his father. Okay, that's why a person is naturally inclined to honor his mother before his father. Why is a person naturally more afraid, more fearful fearful of his father than his mother? This is the part of the Gemara that Rashi does not quote. But what's the answer to this question? What would what would we say, Rabbi Yisai? Rashi tells us that a person naturally has more fear of his father than his mother, and therefore. We have to emphasize that even your mother you have to fear. 
Because naturally a person is more afraid of his father. Why? Why is that? He's the enforcer. That's right. He's, he's you're afraid of your father. Why are you more naturally afraid of your father? He's a disciplinarian. He's the enforcer. He's the one that pulls out the, the belt. The what? The hammer. The hammer. <laughs> so I, was, I want to see what everyone has to say. Everyone has their own uh, you know, weapon of choice at home, right? The paddle. The baseball bat. The whip. Okay, so everyone, I see what everyone has at home. Now, uh, that, that, that was very helpful. Thank you. Mr. Brill, <laughs> we heard about the belt. We heard about the, uh, the hammer. Okay, I was also brought up with a belt that happens to be. But, uh, but you know, when you ask somebody, why are you more afraid of your father? That's a no-brainer. Of course, I'm more afraid of my father because my father is he's, he's more scary. Right? When my father loses, oh, does he lose it? My father blows a stack. Oh, my gosh. You, you better, you know, talk about, like, nuclear fallout. You got you to you get out of the country. If you can escape, you know, him when he loses, when he has a temper tantrum. So it would make a lot of sense why a person is more afraid of their father than their mother. Because his father tends to be scarier than a mother. He's the enforcer, as Arthur Akkoyne is telling us. He's coming at with, with the uh, weapons of mass destruction. He's there to discipline. He's there to beat you up. He's there to beat you up. So of course he's scarier. It's interesting, though, that if we look in the Gemara Kedushan, it's not what the Gemara says. The Gemara doesn't say that a child naturally fears his father because his father is more fearsome. Is naturally more afraid of his father because his father is more scary. Is that what the Gemara says? The Gemara says something which is a total curveball and a total spinnerin. You know what the Gemara says, Rabbi Yisai? What does the Gemara say? You knew the first, you know the second one? A person naturally is afraid of his father more than his mother. Why? Because a person's father teaches him Torah. That's why you're naturally more afraid of your father than your mother. Because he teaches you Torah. Teaches you Torah, that's why he, he's scarier. That's why you're more afraid. Because he's teaching me Torah. What's going on? Two questions, which are really two halves of the same problem. A, why is teaching me Torah something that makes me afraid of him? I'm scared of him because he's teaching me Torah. And B, why are we overlooking and skipping the obvious? What's the obvious? The, the, the obvious is what everybody said. I'm more afraid of my father because my father's scarier. I, I, I have more fear of my father because my, my father's more fearsome. Why is Gemara not speaking out the obvious, and why is Gemara saying something that is difficult to process? Difficult to process over here. What, what, what's going on? So there's something amazing going on, actually, in this Gemara, an amazing insight into how to relate to our parents, each and every one of us, an amazing insight into what covet is and what year it is. So let's start with covet and era. Covet, we know, what does it mean to give my parents covet? Giving my parents covet means taking care of, 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 them, of their physical needs. That's as, as we mentioned before, those examples. Covet means, you know, bringing them food and drink. Covet means we, have, we were doing these uh, halachas over the winter in uh, our Sunday morning breakfast and learn program. We're going through the halachas of Kivar of Aim altogether. Covet means escorting them, waiting for them when they leave shul, walking them home, walking them to shul, walking them back from shul. It means, it means uh, all the kids here taking notes. It means, it means uh, bringing them their, their, their coat when they're at the door. It bring, means taking their coat off when they come in the door and hanging it up for them. That's what covet is to our parents. What's Yiro? What are, what are the halachic parameters of Yiro? How to have fear of my parents. How do I show that? So halacha addresses that quite clearly. How does one practice Yiro practically? What are the practical halachas of Yiro? 
fear of one's parents. It means to faint whenever they walk into the room. It means to tremble and quake in their presence. No, that's not what Yira is. What does Igmar say? How, do, how does one perform Yira? Give his parents Yira. How do you do that practically? What are the examples? The Gemara gives us some examples. You know what, what, what does the Gemara say? You know what the Gemara says? Certain things you have to do. So it starts with the attitude of, of, of respect through fear, but the Gemara says, what are examples of Yira? Don't sit in their seats. Stand up for them when they walk in the room. Don't interrupt them when they're having a conversation. If they say something you disagree with, don't disagree. Don't contradict them. Not only that, you can't contradict your parents. You can't even back him up. Like if your father is having a conversation with somebody and he says, you know, so-and-so, this, this is how I feel on this issue. This is how I feel about the other issue. This is how I feel about Second Amendment rights. This is how I feel about uh, you know, this, this particular topic, this p- political, polo- political candidate, whatever it may be, when your father voices an opinion, Yira commands you, A, you can't contradict him. You say, no, Dad, yeah, you know, where are you living, Dad? You know, you got it all wrong. You got it all backwards. You're not allowed to do that, and that's Yira. But you're not even allowed to back him up if your father's arguing it out with somebody. And your father says, you know, this is the candidate to vote for. And the other guy says, ah, oh, what are you talking about? You're crazy. That's, that's the wrong guy. You're not allowed to say, you know, my father's right. He's got it right. You can't do that either. That's part of Yira because it makes it appear as if your father needs your support. Your father needs you to back him up and as if your opinion matters, makes a difference together with your father's opinion. So you can't contradict your father's opinion. You can't even back up your father's opinion. You can't sit in his seat. You can't get involved in his conversations. You have to stand up when he walks into the room. This is how one practices Yira in Halacha. And you have to do that for your mother also. Okay, but For your Rebbe, you have to do... Um, you have to have Yira for your Rebbe as well, correct. You do these things for your Rebbe as well. Yeah. When it comes to learning, though, learning is a separate matter. When it comes to like trying to, to learn the sugya together, um, the, the place can speak this out. If your Rebbe says a pshat and you disagree, you're allowed to tell your Rebbe that you, you think he doesn't know how to learn. <laughs> you should try to say it politely. But you're allowed to disagree and say, I, I, don't, I don't think that's what Rashi's saying. I don't think that's what Tay's saying. Learning is a, is a different exercise. We... we, we we got into that once a while ago. But, but otherwise, yes, good question. All the, all the other basic halachas of year do apply to your Rebbe. Um, <clears throat> but they apply to your father. And they apply to your mother. That's what year is. Okay, so Yira has very specific applications. Very specific practices. Yira is not just about panicking when they come into the room, running away because they have the belt, because they have the hammer. Yira is standing up, not sitting in their seats, <clears throat> not interrupting them, not contradicting them, and not even backing them up. So what's the common denominator between all of these halachas? What's the tzadashav shabakulan? What's the common theme? Respect. Respect, okay. But respect is a very loose term. Subjective. What? Bingo. She's exactly right. Beautiful. All the common denominator, the common theme that, and thread that runs through all these halachas is to place them on a level above you. They're compared to me, they are VIPs. Compared to me, they're on a, a platform that's above me that I can't reach and I'll never reach. They're elevated. They have an elevated status. And someone that's elevated, that has an elevated status, I, I can't sit in a seat. He, he's he's, he's uh, above me. He's untouchable. He, he is more prestigious. He's more esteemed. He's more chashev. He's a more important person. How can I interrupt this conversation? 
He's one, a level above me. How can I think about contradicting him? He's above me. He's more chashev than me. He's, he's one level above me. He's removed from me. I'm down here and he's up there. He's a level above me that I'm never going to reach. This is the common theme of Yira, and this really is what Yira always is. So put things into very sharp perspective. Yira never means to be petrified, to be scared. Yira is not about being scared, not about being panicked. It's not about being petrified. Yira is about feeling small in someone else's presence, making someone bigger than me, making someone above me, putting someone in a greater, more esteemed position than me. And when I feel that way, relative to someone else, that's what Yira is. And this is really Yira Shemaim also. We talk about having Yira from Hashem. Yira from Hashem is not, is, is not about being scared in Hashem's presence, being panicky, being nervous. That's a very, very low level of Yira. That, that's really being afraid of getting punished. That's not being, having Yira from Hashem. Yira is really not fear, but it's awe. Awe. Awe of being in, in the presence of something very grand, grandiose, great, and amazing, and way above me, way greater than me, and way removed from me, and I'm very small, and this is very big. That's what Yira Shemayim is as well. I can't contradict God. I can't argue with God. I have to have, when I'm in God's presence and I'm in a shul, there's halachas of Yira. You can't act casually in a shul. You can't act casually in the base of Mikdash. You can't come in, you know, with, 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 with your regular, regular weekday gear. Yira is always to put something way above me, to promote something and to see that, that, that this item, this object is great and I'm small. That's what Yira is for your parents also. And that's why you can't sit in their seat because they're much greater than me. They're way above me. They're more prestigious than me. They're more esteemed than me. They're more special than me. That's why Yira is Yira because your father teaches you. Whoa, one second. One second, buddy. One second. Okay. <clears throat> Yira is to see that someone's greater than me and I'm smaller than them. And, and that's the theme that runs through all these halachas. You can't contradict them. You can't disagree with them. You can't even agree with them. Because what does my opinion mean in your presence? You're much greater than me. And this is the Pshat and the Gemara and Kedushin. This is why, when you want to know who does a child naturally have more yira from, real yira, it's from your father. Because real yira is awe. Real yira is you're great and I'm small. <clears throat> and that's why real yira is prompted from the fact that my father teaches me Torah. What is the number one way that we feel insignificant, small, in the presence of something and makes that something else feel very big? When we see... that they are one step closer to Harsinai than we are. We, they are in possession of knowledge that we're not, and we're dependent on them. And they, if we look at them, we see that they're one, in the, in the great chain of Messiah, they're one link closer. And they have information that I don't have, information that I need, information that I'm dependent on them for. They're greater than I am. They're higher than I am. They're raised above me. They're on a level that I can never get to because the best I can do is try to learn whatever they're teaching me. But to get to that level of, of where they are, closer to Harsina, I'm never going to get close to Harsina like they are. Like they are. I, the best I can ever be is one link further from Harsina than them. That's the best I'm ever going to do. I can never get as close to Harsina as my, as my father is. I can never get there. Good, then it's your turn to... See, they may have Yira from you. But I can never get... To the, 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 my father's always, gonna, always, always perpetually going to be one step closer to Arsina than myself. Always. I can be macabre what he has to teach me. I, I, I'm able to receive his information, but I can never get to where he is. 
And that's what's meant by the fact that he teaches me Torah. He teaches me Torah. He is above me. He's one level above me, and he's one level above me in an unreachable way. That's why we illustrate it with the fact that he teaches me Torah. That's what really creates real yira, and real yira meaning awe, and elevation, and promotion, and me putting him on a platform and a pedestal that I'm never going to be able to reach. If yira just meant being afraid of him, then yeah, we'd say you're naturally afraid more of your father than your mother, because he beats you up, he chases you around the house with, with a belt. But yira doesn't mean that. Yira means treating him in a way that he's more prestigious than me, he's more special than me, and he's always going to be more special than me. Even when a child is in his 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and his father is 20, 30 years older than him, your father's always more prestigious than you. Your father's always more special than you because your father's always going to be one step closer to Harsina than you. Always. No matter how much you grow on your own. Your father's always more prestigious than you. That's why a child naturally has more year of his father than his mother. I will ask, what about a situation in which a child becomes more learned than his father? Or is always more learned than his father? You can have such a thing. And, and, and you know, nowadays with so many Balei Tshuva, Baruch Hashem, so many people that are returning to, to embrace religiosity, and so many Balei Tshuva raising children that are what? You know, I used to tell this all the, in my Eish years, in my Eish years, so I was a Rebbe and a Mashkiach in Eish for many, many years, Baruch Hashem, and uh, the, the Shir, you know, was 90-95% of the Shir, my Shir was always Balei Tshuva. Always Bali Tshuva. That's who I was teaching. Bali Tshuva that were, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20, sometimes 25, sometimes even 30 years old. And I would tell them the following. When they would hear this, it was like, you know, something that's obvious, but, you know, you don't make that connection on its own, on your own. You don't let it click. But, you know, you tell a child, you, I, I would tell them very often, the Talmudim, you guys may be Bali Tshuva, but your kids are going to be FFBs. How about that? You're, Bar Hashem from now. You're going to find a good from girl, raise a good from family. Your kids are going to go through the system that you weren't able to. You didn't have the opportunity to go through the from system. You became independently from on your own, which is amazing. Which That is an opportunity your kids won't be able to have to become independently from, independent, independently to tshuva. But your kids will be FFBs. Your kids will go through the system that you didn't. That's amazing. But at the same time, you know, someone who, let's say, built himself up, he himself is a Baal tshuva, and he made himself knowledgeable, and he made himself... You know, a Tamil Chacham even. And he has a father who's maybe not from, or maybe his father also became from, but later in life. And, and his father, let's say, unfortunately, he wasn't able to have that relationship with his father where his father's teaching him Torah. What do we do with such a situation? That's the question that, that begs to be addressed over here. When we're told from the Gemara that we naturally have Yura from our father because our father teaches us Torah. So what about if one has a father who was unable to have that role, unable to teach the child Torah, because the father never became from, or the father became from later in life, and didn't have the opportunity to become proficient in, in knowledge, and make the child surpassing his father in knowledge, and way surpassing his father in knowledge. How do we have that natural year to our father in such a situation? Barabbas, I want to say something so important, so fundamental, again, in our relationship with our parents, in Kibbutz of Aim, and really in Yira. And it's the same exact idea. And everyone can and is obligated to have this attitude in his relationship with their fathers. Even if, let's say, someone became from independently or became from together with their parents but went on a journey of growth that their father was unable to go on and now was much more knowledgeable than their father 
and at an early age, maybe even is surpassing their father's level of knowledge, there's still the same idea to tap into into why to, how, to, how and why to have Yira from your father. And that is, your father is always going to represent someone who's one step closer to Harsinai. Regardless of how much your father knows. When a person sees his father, he's obligated to see what? A piece of living history. Now, some of us are thinking, sure, yeah, whatever I see my, uh, my dad, I see a piece of living history, right? And my father should be in the, in the natural museum, the natural history museum, right? My old man, that's why we call him the old man. Okay, but, but, but uh, you know, that aside, Rabbi Yisai, a person has a chiv, an obligation, and especially if one's father teaches him Torah, but even if a father, one has a father who's not capable of, of being in that position, having that relationship where he teaches you Torah, you see your father, you see someone who is connected to history that you're, in, in a way that you're not. He, again, is one step closer. And, 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 and it's something to grab onto and hang onto. And, and let's just illustrate that with a dogma, with a mushal. You know, there were people, uh, until not that long ago, people that we could have gone to, we could have knocked at their door and sat and had a shmooze with them, people that saw the Chafetz Chaim. you imagine that? Can you imagine meeting somebody that, that sat with the Chafetz Chaim? Meeting somebody in real life that had a conversation with the Chafetz Chaim, that sat at his table, that got a bracha from the Chafetz Chaim. Imagine that. That's crazy. That's a piece of living history. To have a person in our presence say, we, we, we bombarded him with questions. What did the Chafetz Chaim look like? How, what, how did he dress? How did he talk? How did he hold himself? What did he talk about? We'd be so curious. We'd be dying with curiosity. And this person would be like, uh, 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 would, would be, indeed, would be taka, a museum exhibit to us, but in a good way. We'd be fascinated with somebody like that. So someone came in, let's say, said, I once met Reb Chaim Salvechik. I once, I, 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 I used to learn B'chavrus with Reb Feinstein. Even him, we would say, let, let me hear about Reb What was like sitting and learning with Reb Moshe Imagine somebody came in and said, for however we would work it out. We, we had a time machine and we would bring into the base medrash over here someone that learned with Rashi. Someone that used to hear shear from Rashi and Rashi's yeshiva. Imagine we could bring somebody like that into the shul. Not Rashi, but somebody that learned with Rashi. We wouldn't let him go. We'd grab him and say, tell me, what did Rashi look like? How did he talk? How did he give shear? He's so fascinated with such a person. He's a link to a past we'd have not just fascination, we would have such awe and respect for such a person. We would have simple, simply awe. We'd be awed in their presence. You are a connection to a piece of history that is long gone. Someone that, that learned with by Rashi, someone that got a bracha from the Chavetz Chaim until not that long ago, there were actually people out there. You could have asked them what the Chavetz Chaim looked like. This is the relationship that everyone is obligated to have with their father, Rabbi Yisai. Regardless of the amount of knowledge that your father possesses, regardless of whether he's ever taught you a blessed word of Torah, and all the more so if he has. But even if he has not, one sees one's father with awe, with respect, and with the understanding that you're one step closer to Harsinai than myself, and that creates Yira. You're a link to something that is, is long gone, and I'm also linked, but I, I'm even further than you. And you're closer than I am. Let me grab you, let me hang on to you, let me appreciate you, and let me realize that I have to have all from you. Because you are, regardless of your knowledge, you are not just older than me, and, and not just further removed in the you know, chain of generations, but you're closer to Harsinai. You're like that person that I found that sat with the Chavetz Chaim. You're like that person that I found that was a Talmud of Rashi 
I appreciate your closeness and I, 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 I am awed. Not just an appreciation of awed in your presence and awed in the presence of someone that is all the more closer than I am to history, your living history. And that is the era that every single child is obligated to summon and muster and find for his father and relate to his father as such. And it goes without saying, when he teaches us Torah, all the more so, not only you're one step closer, I see now, but you're pumping me full of information that you're in possession of, being that you're one step closer, I see now, and I'm a klisheni, I'm a klikibo, I'm just receiving from you, I'm on the receiving end, so I certainly have a lot of year for you. Okay, we should have siyad deshmai to have the proper fear, proper respect, proper adoration, and um, adulation for our parents, and to be good parents to our children. Everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos. You could what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you're talking about. That's a footage that they found, right? He was very diminutive. <laughs>